Hey, fintech friends. Hey Fintech friends, my name is Helen Femi Williams and I'm your host of the Hey Fintech Friends podcast brought to you by This Week in Fintech. So let's talk about the structure of this podcast. First, we're going to go through the news. And if you subscribe to the This Week in Fintech newsletter, well, you're in luck because this is the audio version. Secondly, we'll go through the Fintechionary. Thirdly, we'll have a conversation with this week's guest, Kirill. And then, of course, we'll go through the Signals quarterly roundup and events happening in the next two weeks. Okay, let's start with the Fintechionary. This week's Fintechionary is all around the ETH merge. According to Investopia, the Ethereum merge is the joining of Ethereum's proof of stake beacon chain with the Ethereum mania to transition the Ethereum blockchain off the legacy proof of work system. As of mid-September 2022, Ethereum has officially switched over to a proof of stake model. It has given birth to Ethereum 2.0, a new version that results in a 99.95% reduction to Ethereum's energy consumption and ability to further scale the Ethereum ecosystem. Either tokens will remain exactly the same for investors and there should be no change to the operations of Ethereum-based applications. There are some driving factors behind the proof-of-stake consensus mechanism, including more decentralization by lowering the hardware requirements for node operators, faster transaction confirmations, though overall speed will be about the same, 99% reduction in energy consumption by node validators, ability to add more scaling solutions such as sharding, and lastly, increased security through client diversity. This week in FinTech. Okay, so this week in FinTech, product launches. Lloyds Bank in the UK launched SmartStart, a spending and savings account for 11 to 15 year olds. Santander launched a consumer mortgage app, whilst HSBC launched a new API-based trade finance platform in the UK and Hong Kong. Visa partnered with crypto exchange FTX to launch debit cards in 40 new countries and BNY Mellon launched their crypto custody platform. Lastly, Barclays launched purchaseless cashback. In other news, so far this year in the UK, banks have closed 248 branches, with 288 more expected to close by the end of the year. DA, the Financial Conduct Authority, is responding by requiring banks to perform an impact assessment of what happens when they leave the communities behind. Following on, NordLB, Global Bank, HSBC, partnered with Trade Ledger to lower receivables financing timelines. Partnerships, EBA Clearing, Swift and TH are joining forces to pilot faster cross-border currency payments between the US and EU. Santander is partnering with Google to build usable cloud systems for financial institutions. Futures exchange CME is considering a crypto brokerage. The Federal Reserve updated a debit card rule that requires debit card transactions to be routed to multiple card networks, which should break down interchange costs. The Reserve Bank of India is launching its own stable pilot. The Egyptian Central Bank is building a new market for currency hedging. And lastly, in other news, the US presidential administration is urging Congress to implement new crypto rules. 
while the OCC released its 2023 bank supervision operation plan. In product launches, Uber launched its new Uber Pro card for drivers in partnership with Mastercard, Branch and Marquetta. Venmo launched charity profiles so that non-profits can raise directly in the app. Doji launched an educational crypto app for teens, whilst Betterment launched managed crypto investing. Student loan app Chipper launched an easy applying app for students to apply for loan forgiveness. Okay, and let's turn to some good news. Google and Coinbase partnered to accept cloud payments via cryptocurrency using Coinbase crypto payment tools. A firm is testing reward points on buy now pay later to combat credit cards. Wordline will offer European payments for Indian tourists, while WeFunder open an investment in 20Y Combinator companies to retail investors. And lastly, the UK Innovate Finance will run its own fintech startup academy. Lastly, let's turn to the bad. The State Bank of Pakistan is revoking fintech tags license to operate as an e-money transmitter. Germany's Neobank N26 loses increased 14% in 2021 to 172.4 million euros. Crypto exchange Binance was hacked for 100 million in its native token BNB. The execs of yield platform Celsius cashed out 21 million in their own holdings before the platform went insolvent. Corporate car giant Brex laid off 11% of its workforce and Canadian firm Wealthsimple and ShakePay were hit with a million dollar lawsuit over hidden fees. That's this week in FinTech. Kirill Gutman has been building and scaling products and teams for over a decade in startup and corporate environments. As an executive with experience building financial services and crypto platforms, he brings a deep understanding of the challenges and opportunities of the intersect of fintech and DeFi. Hope you enjoy this episode. So hi, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Kirill, did I say your name correctly? Is that um, it's, well, so the actual, the actual original way to say this is Kirill. I don't, I don't torture people with that so i i'm pretty flexible however works for you i'm fine with it honestly i'm not it's fine and and where is that where's your name from uh, so originally i was actually born in ukraine originally uh but i've left uh, quite a long time ago and moved around quite a bit since uh, and these days i'm actually in the united states in boston okay awesome and uh how long have you lived in the united states for a while uh yeah i think so i think it's been I want to say eight years now, I think, this time. And I've moved around a bit, so I actually lived here before for a little bit, and then I left to Canada, came back. It's it's a whole story that probably going to take too long. To, <laughs> well, you know, but like this, this time around, yeah, I think I've been here eight years, yeah. Cool. And so if we go into kind of like who you are and like what you do, like um, how, like what is your experience? Like what do you do and how do you kind of explain it? Sure. Um so I'm a co-founder and CEO of a little startup called Conduit. And what we do is we basically have a, a platform that allows developers, fintechs, neobanks to build seamlessly on top of crypto and on top of DeFi. So going from fiat currencies into crypto, into stablecoin, and we help them with custody. We also help them deploy this into DeFi so they can get yield and can get other DeFi-based products. I hope that made any sense at all, because I'm, as I'm talking, as I, as I explained this, I'm always kind of really self-conscious about, do people get any of this? I don't know, honestly. 
I mean, do you know what? That's a really good question because I was going to say your product is, from my understanding, is like for people who are already kind of in that space. But if you were trying to explain it to someone who has, like to your non-fintech friends and like, I don't know, if you were talking to your mum, how do you explain what you do? I think the best way to do that is probably actually to look at it from a perspective, not of our customer, because, yeah, our customers are basically fintechs and neobanks. They're already in the space. They already get it. But from the end user, right? So usually our customers have their own customers, right? So their own end users. Um, and from their point of view, I think it's a, a lot simpler, hopefully a lot simpler, and makes more sense where... You know, imagine if you're somebody that's living, let's say, in Colombia, for example, right? And you obviously have a Colombian peso as your kind of daily currency, right? This is what you get your paycheck in. This is what you pay your expenses with. And you're probably experiencing something like 20, 30, 40% inflation, right? So it's, it's pretty brutal, actually. And it's not just the fact that you have really high inflation. It's also the fact that it drops dramatically sometimes very quickly, right? So like literally, um, I think there was an election in Colombia maybe three months ago now. And from Saturday to Sunday, so overnight, the Colombian peso dropped 20% against the dollar. And so if you're saving Colombian pesos, you're not having a good time when this happens, right? Um, and so what we allow you to do through our partners, right, through our customers, is to be able to go to get into something that's more stable, right? So uh, USDC, which is a USD-based stablecoin, and so you can kind of escape inflation in that way. And then we also let you do things then with those stablecoins that you get. So, for example, get yield from DeFi, so like 3 4 5% uh, kind of APY yield, and eventually do other things with that. So maybe borrow at a better rate and and so forth, right? So from, from like the end user's point of view, what you're getting is essentially a better financial like product. It's a, it's a way to get out of inflation um, and get access to something you wouldn't normally have and maybe preserve a little bit more money that you normally would be able to do. That's really interesting. So then I, I guess a question I would have is, is your customer or your user bases, are they in, do you get more in like specific locations or is, it, or like, is there a, a space that you kind of focus on? Definitely, yeah. I think right now we're focusing on Latin America. This is why I mentioned Colombia. It's not not completely random examples. So focusing on you know Brazil, Mexico, Colombia right now, and going to be adding Argentina and uh, Chile soon. And we're focusing specifically that region for a couple of reasons. One is the, the one I kind of already explained, which is there's a lot of demand because there's a lot of need, right? It's a really painful experience that a lot of people are having there because of high inflation and kind of unreliable currencies and whatnot. Uh, and the second reason is because in most of these jurisdictions, kind of regulatory-wise, compliance-wise, they're a little bit more friendly to crypto. Uh, and so that allows us to operate without getting a ton of kind of overhead and a ton of, you know, kind of legal licenses, whatnot. Like you said, when you were talking, I was thinking about like kind of the political angle there because of the regulation, like there is this kind of, um, it has such a, that region of the world has such an interesting history when it comes to like, well, mo like just finance and money. And I guess like you as a fintech, you're solving a problem that maybe like governments haven't been, is, it, is that kind of where you position yourself? Yeah, I wouldn't. So, you know, for obvious reasons, I wouldn't position myself kind of being anti-government or anything like that in, in any way. That's, that's not really what we're doing. I think what, I think the, the way that I think about this is 
you know, what's the best sort of product? What's the best thing that we can again offer to that end user, right? To the to the end consumer of this. And what's the best way for them to be able to save a little bit more money, to do it a little bit more safely? And how can we do that? Right. And I'm not kind of usually trying to dig into as much into whose fault what is it in the first place, because I can't usually solve that. You know what I mean? What I can solve, or at least we're, we're working on solving, is like, okay, how can we make it better now? Right. How can we make it easier for a lot of people like that uh, to just, you know, to, to just get safe get better access to, to better products essentially right and uh, actually i remember i'll tell you like an anecdote about uh, a cab driver in bogota in, in colombia and we were driving there and he basically said you know he showed the two hundred dollar bills and he was like this is my saving account like that's in my wallet i have two one hundred dollar bills so two hundred dollars right and he's like this is how i survived covid because we were locked down whatever because i had like just cash right just just a few hundred dollars that I saved. And that's like, okay. I mean, it's great that that worked for him, right? And he, he survived. But, you know, you kind of think about it. That's not the best way to save. You know, that's not the best and not the safest way to save money. So then we're thinking, how can we make it better, right? And uh, that's, that's what we're trying to solve. It is really interesting what you're saying about the guy kind of holding cash. Because I think with a lot of people, and, and I don't even think it's necessarily just only in latin america but there is this kind of like mistrust of like traditional institutions but then when it comes to fintech like why is it that people have more of a trust or or i don't know like why is why is it that there is this idea that people would put their money here or like trust it maybe more than like traditional banks or have you seen like the evolution of that well i think we have a little bit right already we were starting to and i think the you know, I, I kind of don't presume for us as conduit, for example, to be sort of big enough and well-known enough and kind of reputable enough to say, you should trust us, right? We're, I'm not saying that at all, actually. What I'm saying is we give you better, faster, easier access to something that you should trust, which is the blockchain, which is not ours, right? We're not, we don't own it. Uh, it is public, in fact, but look, it runs pretty well and it's pretty safe and it's pretty secure. And we just kind of facilitate your way to get into that. You know what I mean? Like, and we can even have more, not just blockchain as like the big, you know, blob, uh, but more specific examples of, let's say, USDC, right? So there's a specific stable coin that we can give you. And we believe it's the safest one because we can look at like the reserves that are backing this up, right? Because it's audited and because we can say, okay, here's where the kind of dollars that are backing uh, this, um, you know, where, where they are, Circle publishes audits and whatnot. So we kind of do almost curation in that sense. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're not saying, I'm not saying like, trust me or trust Conduit. What I'm saying is we kind of verify these things. We believe that they're safe and they're secure and you should trust them and see if they're working for you. And if there are, great. You know, we're going to give you like better access to these things. Yeah, it makes sense. You're kind of like the middle ground between like the user and and the blockchain so you're kind of like bringing everyone together yeah and i mean you know i think one of one of the biggest problems with like blockchain in general crypto in general it's like it's hard to get into and it's hard to understand and you have to jump through so many like weird hoops and you're like how does it work and again especially and it's weird because especially for people who need it the most right again if you're that taxi driver in colombia are we really gonna go and like learn about blockchain like you don't have time for this stuff, right? You need to provide for your family. So what we're saying is, like, don't worry about that. You know what I mean? Like, well, 
there is a technology out there and works well. And again, yeah, we're just basically this middleware. We're just going to give you better, faster, easier access to it. And you don't have to worry about like learning how does this thing work and like a whole new way of dealing with money. And like, again, you don't have time for this stuff, right? You, you, you drive a taxi, you need to provide for your kids. Um, so that's, that's what we're trying to do. Is there any like fintech fact and or stat that you've sort of learned recently that you think is quite interesting? Yeah, for sure. You know, the thing that actually comes to mind is the, the Ethereum merge, right? That just happened recently. I can actually give you a couple of stats on that. You can pick what, which one, yeah. which one you like. And give me all the stats. Yeah. All the stats. All right. So I'll, I'll try to think. So the, I think there, there were a couple of like surprising things about it, which is, you know, Ethereum, right? Is a, is a chain that's less than 10 years old, right? And it already achieved. It's basically something like $400 billion in terms of the ecosystem, right? So if you look at all the apps and all the protocols and everything that's been built on top of it, right? To get to an ecosystem of $400 billion in under 10 years is really impressive. It's amazing, right? No company like Apple or Google or, or anything like that were able to achieve it so quickly. And you know, before the merge, it was using something like... 0.2% of the world's electricity, so basically like a small country, and then kind of went to basically almost zero after the merge. So that that was that's the second kind of really impressive thing because, you know, you kind of move this entire huge ec- ecosystem of billions of dollars and like billions of transactions and whatnot, and you do it in a completely decentralized way. You know, there's no there's no like oversight. You know, there's no like Ethereum CEO or Ethereum like president or prime minister of ethereum or anything like that 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 kind of you know made them do it um and so that's 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 maybe even more impressive um and then maybe the last one is the fact that so now when it's proof of um, stake as opposed to proof of work you ended up in a situation where i think there's five kind of entities that control about 60 percent of the staked ethereum uh which is interesting because you know, is it really decentralized if you have basically five companies that control 60% of it? So maybe not so much. Um, so there you go. That's all the stats of, of something that's that's happened recently and it was just top of mind for me. No, you've mentioned so much there. I don't even know where to start. But I think, I think something that I find interesting that you've said is like kind of your second point and your third point, because you have like, you have like, I'm also kind of in awe of, of like, how they managed to do that in such a decentralized way and the way that even like a lot of these like bankless movements are able to kind of like run in this kind of probably yeah like quite democratic way where like everyone kind of can get involved and can do their bit but then like at the same time like you said you've got these like five companies that are well kind of are controlling things um in proof of stake so it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how you have like hierarchies and like very flat structures all in kind of one like thing yeah and how that kind of like what that looks like long term yeah that that's going to be really interesting to see where it evolves because yeah i i i think like what they achieved being decentralized is is really impressive and i mean you know a lot of people will say that like open source and and things like ethereum whatever they can't really work again because maybe they're disorganized and there's no, not really a hierarchy there. It's just a lot of people around the world are collaborating. But like, look, here's proof, right? That they were able to achieve something that, you know, would take a government probably decades to do, honestly, if at all, right? 
uh, at the same scale, and they were able to do it, you know, pretty well, and then relatively quickly too. But actually, almost weirdly counterintuitively, in doing so, they actually became less decentralized. I mean, because you you ended up with like a few of these companies that that kind of uh, grabbed the biggest uh, parts of staking for now, at least. And so that's going to be interesting how it evolves. And is it actually going to go kind of back, you know, in, in terms of evolution and kind of become more, more centralized over time, or is it actually going to go back and, and, and become more decentralized over time? And I'm obviously hoping for the second, but, uh, we'll see. Yeah. It's really hard to know, but I think that's kind of what's quite interesting, but I don't know. I like to kind of, I'm kind of in the same space as you and I like to kind of believe that there's like this new way that like I think what's been shown with Ethereum that potentially there is a new way that people can govern and govern themselves and I think that's personally I think that's like the most fascinating thing about it because because like you said like no one asked them to do it these were people all across the world and so I don't know I feel like it does show (laughs) the will maybe I don't know yeah I don't know if will but like or ingenuity or just like it's it's really amazing that you know people when kind of left left to their own devices, you know what I mean, being just being themselves and not they can still do really great and, and actually positive things, right? And I think we we often think about you know just like people in general, humans I guess, as, as something that needs to be like controlled, right, or governed or whatever. But actually maybe that's not the case. Maybe we're okay without it yeah maybe i think i think web3 and just like a lot of the stuff that's happening kind of like the decentralized space is just showing that potentially there could be another way for people to govern maybe we're not there yet but maybe but then equally like i say that and then i'm like well it's a it's a group within a group because like like we've already said it's kind of global but equally it's not necessarily like people who live in the same societies it's like groups within groups. And so on like a practical sense, is that, I don't know if, well, I, it's more of a question than than an opinion, but like, I, I don't know if it, if it makes sense for like other areas of life, if we can kind of adopt the same like theory. Yeah. Like, would you really want your water supply to run on Ethereum or something like, right? Like, or, or that, <laughs> I don't know, actually. I don't I, know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure to be like, if, would I want my, my water to run on Ethereum? I'd be really careful about that, right? But potentially, maybe it's possible. Um, yeah, I, I would maybe try to start with something, maybe like 10%, you know, something <laughs> small, right? Like one, one of the tops in my, in my house, not all of them or something. That's not possible. That's, that's, but, you know. that's still a lot of um, faith. Yeah, one of one of the tops. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, but... I, I gotta have faith, right? I'm in the space. I have to believe that this is actually gonna work eventually. Otherwise, you know, what are we doing here? If I was to circle back to you, um, a question that I've kind of asked like all the guests, and it was actually a, guess, a question that our first guest asked, um, was um, what was your kind of like, oh shit moment in your career? So um, <laughs> basically a time in which uh, yeah. everything was going right and then something something happened and it went wrong and then you had to like correct it. I think I've had a few, I'll be honest, I had a few of these probably. Um, I'm actually on my like third career in a sense because I was a designer first and I was a product manager and now I'm, a, I'm an operator, right? I, I'm a founder. So um, I'll give one that's, that I think is really relevant 
um, to this conversation and to the space I'm in. And that, that actually probably what, what led me to start Conduit eventually. And this was maybe, I want to say 10 years ago now, but actually less than that. I think it was maybe six, seven years ago now. And I was actually working at a bank. Um, and I was trying to basically innovate within the bank. And we were actually having quite a bit of success in there internally. Um, we rolled out new products to, to, our, to our customer base. They loved them. They absolutely loved them. Um, and I guess there were two things that I kind of realized there that there were like, you know, shit moment uh, or, or shits moments, I guess. One is maybe more technical, which is I realized that this entire thing, right? So the entire kind of banking infrastructure basically runs at that time, but even today, actually, still a lot of it uh, runs like a mainframe. So like an IBM AS400 mainframe, which is like a computer the size of like, you know, my bedroom uh, sits in the basement of a bank somewhere, been made in the 70s. And then like, this is where your money actually is, right? Like you think about the bank and you think, you know, they have a huge safe in somewhere there. No, no, that's not how it works, right? There's like a computer that's like twice your age sitting there. And that's how they count your money. And it runs on COBOL, which is like a language that nobody uses anymore. So I'm like, well, shit, this whole thing, right? It's so, you know, it, it's so not... Like, it's not what you think it is, right? You think about, like, some sort of, like, really robust, really secure structure, right? And then you realize, no, there's, like, one stick, <laughs> kind of rusted old stick that's propping up the whole thing, right? And, and you kind of go, wow, that's, that doesn't, doesn't feel great. And also, you can't really do anything with it. They can't change it. You can't, like, you can't really, you know, you can't really do anything because not just regulatory, but also literally the people who built these things retired already. Um, and so that creates a ton of challenges. And so that was one kind of one oh shit moment. And then I guess the second one, which probably had more impact on me personally, was the fact that you also realize that like within banks, you don't actually have a ton of internal um, incentives to innovate, to do, thing, to do new things, right? They're actually seeing perfectly happy where they are. Uh, and most of the energy that's spent is actually spent on internal politics, right? So you have like infighting and whatnot, and you have to kind of focus on that actually a lot more than focusing on the customer. I did not like that, right? I, I, I thought this was like, this is not what I want to be doing with myself. And so that obviously led me to, uh, to leave and that led me into crypto, um, which is kind of, again, in a bit of a roundabout way, but that eventually led me to start this company. That's so funny. And I feel like a lot of people yeah. have that kind of story, maybe maybe not as unique as yours, but where they're kind of in that sort of traditional banking or, or, or fields like that, maybe more corporate fields. And they're like, oh, no one told me that this is what we do most of the time. So now I have to redirect if this is what I want to spend the next like 20 years doing to get to the top of the chain or whatever. It was really also like counterintuitive because like I, I came from a startup world originally and I was like, what's the measure of success? You know, you make the customers happy and that's how you like progress, right? You know, you that's how your career like advances and you get to the next position, whatever. Actually, what I realized, and maybe that's just my experience, maybe other people maybe have different ones. But in my experience, what I realized is that the more success you have, the more kind of internally focused you have to become, right? 
because you have more of these internal issues that you have to like really care about and and actually focus less on on like the the actual customers and that was really strange to me actually no I, I, yeah i think i remember kind of like being in a more uh, corporate field and like um well i don't know like straight out of uni and stuff no one tells you that that's like what like what what is also part of working where there's all these other like i don't know factors that you just have to like take into consideration that no one <laughs> that that are just like kind of unwritten rules everywhere or yeah like you or yeah it's not of course they care about the end goal but also it's yeah like you said it's also about kind of like what's happening internally and like a real focus on whatever that is so yeah i think that's definitely something that's there and um another question that uh, one of our guests asked us was um what keeps you up at night professionally and personally interesting so professionally i think it's really around like execution right can we deliver the things that we need to deliver can we do it fast enough can we do it well enough can we build you know what our customers are asking us for that's that's a big part of what I'm thinking about, can we kind of deliver it to them, right? Can we sell it to them? Can we kind of market and do all these things? Um, and I guess part, maybe the other professional side that I don't have as much control over is regulation, right? So like, is, is there going to be a new law or whatever that's going to come in and change what we're doing? And actually, that's not a big question. It's a given that will be. And it happens all the time. It's just like, what's the next thing that's going to happen to us? Uh, and where is it going to go? Whether that's the US or our countries. Um, personally, so personally, I guess uh, it's very different. But I think, you know, I think it keeps me up at night the most is, is my girls. Um, usually, literally, <laughs> if they wake up and like, you know, they don't feel well or whatever, they wake up at night, then I'm up as well. And there you go. That's, that's, that's it, right? How old are they? <laughs> So they're uh, they're six six years old and two years old and um, uh, yeah definitely keeping you up then. <laughs> there you go. It's very different, you know. It's like I you know like professionally I talk about you know regulation whatever. And personally, yeah, it's just my six year old daughter that woke up in the middle of the night. She wasn't feeling well, and that's it. You know, you're up. Do they wake up really early or just constantly in the night? Well, it depends. Uh, sometimes it's actually really hard to wake them up and get them to, you know, get the, the older one dressed for school or whatnot. Um, but sometimes, yeah, like it's like, a, I don't know, cold season and flu season, right? And then like if they're coughing, whatever, obviously um, they'll wake up. So, yeah. But, you know, they're great. They love them, obviously. And, uh, uh, but yeah, like it's a very different, you know. That's a very different thing, personally, than, than professionally, you know? <laughs> well, actually, that lead, that's quite good. That leads me on to kind of like um, the quick fire session. So I've got like 10 questions. They don't have anything to do with fintech. And just want to know, like, <laughs> just, just answer the first thing sure. that comes into your head. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. What's your Starbucks order? A red eye. So that's a coffee with an espresso in it. Okay. Um, if you were an object, what object would you be? Oh wow, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd be I'd be a chair. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm looking at a chair right now. But maybe I'll try to be like a nice, comfy chair. How about that? You'd be a chair, <laughs> a comfy chair. Okay. I don't know. I just I just <laughs> happen to look at one right now. So maybe that's why I answer that. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, what's the best city in the world? 
Um, I love Tokyo, actually. Great food, great people. It's great. Awesome. And would you rather be in your pajamas all day or a suit all day? If that's the choice, then pajamas, because I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't love suits. Movie or museum? Probably museum. Yeah. If you were responsible for choosing whether the world would only eat bagels or only eat donuts, which would you choose? Oh boy. Um, I think I'll go with bagels. I, I don't know. I don't, love, I don't really love donuts. And uh, yeah, I go with bagels. <laughs> you can do more. You can do more stuff with them. You know, you can put stuff on them. You can like, you can't put like salmon on a donut. You know what I mean? That's disgusting. But no, you can you do can't. it on a bagel. True. Yeah. I guess it's a question of more, more sweet or more savory. Well, yeah, you're right. With a bagel, you could still make it sweet if you wanted to. Yeah. So option, optionality. I guess that's what it's about. More functional. Yeah. Yeah. If you hosted a TV show. What show would it be? Oh my god, I have no idea. I haven't watched TV in, in many years. Um, <laughs> it would be probably a nature show. You know what? It would be like a, like a nature documentary type thing. Okay. Something with animals. Would you rather have ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife, or always have a knife but never be able to use spoons? Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> Uh, so, I think I'd rather have the spoons because you can sort of make a knife out of a spoon like a shank, like a prison shank. Okay. <laughs> but you can't really, <laughs> uh, but you can't really make a spoon out of a knife. You know what I mean? Like you just like you, you know. Um, it got, actually goes back to the same bagel thing, right? If you have ten thousand <laughs> spoons, you can probably make a couple of knives out of them. Uh, so it gives you more optionality, I guess. I bet nobody gave that answer with a prison shank before, but that's 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 my answer. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yes, function functionality. Um, okay, number nine. Would you rather have a tiny home with a big yard or garden, or a big house but no outdoor space? Hmm. It depends where I live. If it's warm, I would rather have the outside. Like if I'm in you know Florida or whatever, I would rather have the outside. If it's cold, I'd rather have a a big house and where I am in Boston it's relatively cool so I but it's not yeah I guess I'll go for the house uh, just because like in the winter you know what I mean like you can't really use the outside and would you rather only be able to whisper or only be able to shout definitely whisper definitely whisper I just I don't I don't like shouting I don't, don't usually shout. Okay, that's the end. Of my I feel like, I feel like I don't know. I feel I definitely feel like I overthought a lot of these way too much. But <laughs> that's, that's just that's just me, I guess. Uh, You're fine. You're absolutely fine. I mean, they're 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 quite like ridiculous questions anyway. So you're fine. Yeah, but I think there's a deeper philosophical though meaning there because like at least a couple of them kind of gave up give out my nature which is like you know kind of functional practical stuff with the bagels and the spoons and whatnot well honestly when i was putting it together i, ne I never even thought about the functional one but the one about the bagels and the one about the spoons like i mean you made really good points <laughs> like it made sense um yeah and if so if you weren't you know if you weren't hit here as like the ceo of conduit like what would you be doing like what would you do outside of fintech I'd honestly, you know, I, even if I wasn't in fintech, I'd still be an entrepreneur. Like this is as soon once you do it once, you just you can't you can't not do it anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's just so addictive. And if I wasn't doing fintech, I'd just be doing similar like type thing, startup, but just in another area. 
um, I don't know what, but because uh, fintech is what I know pretty well by now and crypto. But uh, yeah, I'd be doing something startup-ish, I think, at this point. This is a similar question. This is like my last like kind of big question. And it's actually, it goes into what you've just said. And it was a question that Giorgio, a previous guest, asked, but um, what's the event or thing that will stop you working in fintech? Hmm. Like what thing would it be where you'd be like, I've completed it now? I've come, well, I... Not completed it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I hope there, you know what? I actually hope there isn't something like that. Because again, I kind of don't don't see myself doing something else, honestly. I really want to make this company successful. I mean, maybe it sounds trivial, but it's true, right? This is why I'm doing this. And I don't think it's a process. It, I like there's, not, there's not, there's not like an end in sight, at least. I mean, the only thing that could stop it is something like dramatic again, maybe from a regulatory point of view, somehow all governments ban all crypto, something like that. And yeah, okay, I'd have to stop. But I think that's really unlikely at this point. But yeah, to kind of to answer the question, like literally, I think that's that's what it would have to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Or maybe it's when crypto is widely accepted and becomes like the form of currency everywhere. Like if I turn that same thing on its head? Yeah, you turn it around really well, actually. So I guess, yeah, if, it, if it's really um, universal, I guess, and everybody's using it, and there's not a ton left to do, then maybe I'll start thinking, okay, what's the next thing that we can innovate with? So yeah, that's, that's a really good point. That's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so yeah, thanks so much. Um, as this is the FinTech Friends podcast, we're, we are quite keen to highlight other friends and people that you think um, we should be on the lookout for. So I guess the question is, who's a friend of yours that you think like we should be looking at and highlighting? It's a good question. You know, the person that comes to mind is Simon Taylor. He used to be at 11 Fest. He's now at Sardine. Um, he writes a blog and a newsletter and whatnot. He's really kind of thoughtful about the space and he's usually able to kind of look at the trends or whatever and going on and sort of describe it or verbalize it much better than I certainly would be able to. <laughs> you know, definitely sounds more intelligent. Maybe it's the British accent. I don't know, but, but, um, <laughs> don't be fooled. No, but, but, but I, I think, I think he actually is though. He, he really is though. He's a really, really smart guy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. When you ask, that's the first person that came to mind, and he is definitely in fintech. Awesome. And what is a question that you think we should ask the next friend of the show? Hmm, that's a good one. I need to think about it a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know, because I, can't, I keep thinking about the spoons and the knives and stuff like oh, that. Oh no! <laughs> uh, if you so... want, I, I could I could put that question out again. You're the you're the only person I've asked that to. I, I can ask that again. Oh really? <laughs> okay, I got lucky, I guess. <laughs> no, yeah, I change the quick fire like every time I do it. <laughs> well, no, I think I th- I think you definitely should because I'm I'm curious if anybody else would, would is going to think of the of the prison shank. But I I feel like I also have to come up with something. <laughs> my own as well uh and you know i i think you, you know i think maybe a question that that i that i would ask people is, maybe it's a boring one but it's like how do you learn about the space right especially if you're talking about like crypto and DeFi, right how do you learn about this there's not like a course or if there is it's probably not very good yet because <laughs> it's all so new right and like, how do you figure this this stuff out? Um, 
because I feel like I'm actually really curious to see what people say because it's not easy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that is a great question because it's so true. How do you learn? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that myself. How, what is, what, wait, hold on, before you go, like, what, how do you learn about the space? How did you, like, learn about it? I think by doing, right? But I'm not sure, well, partially, but yeah, but really by doing and by, by using, like, you know, again, crypto and Bitcoin and I had a, had a Bitcoin wallet back in like, I don't know, 2014 or 15. And I had some Bitcoin in it and, and I lost it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, which would have been worth a lot of money today, obviously. But um, these these are really good lessons, you know, because they're painful. So that's probably, and then obviously eventually I started a company in this space, right? So I kind of have to, but yeah, I just, there was not really a resource, you know what I mean? I just kind of try stuff out and, and failed and lost my, private keys and stuff like that so yeah by basically by doing and experimenting and yeah that's, that's probably a better <laughs> way honestly you know less 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 expensive at least you know no that's yeah that, that i think that's a great question and a, and it and it is true there is no real way or like book or whatever it's just kind of like people just all of a sudden everyone just knows things and other people don't and it is it is really i think that's a great question i'm glad you liked so, it definitely gonna ask yeah. that yeah <laughs> I lost the spoon thing too. Like, see if people think of the prison shank and, shank and the functionality of it all. Yeah, um, that's, so that's yeah. there. You go. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great. Thank you. I had a lot of fun, and uh, this this was really honestly a fun conversation. I really enjoyed. It. So, thanks for thanks for having me and and bearing with my you know headphone issues and whatnot. Oh no, you're fine. Thanks for coming on. A new quarter can only mean one thing at This Week in Fintech. New Signals Quarterly Roundup. For new readers, Signals is the subscriber-only edition of This Week in Fintech, designed to get you away from the headlines and to explore the larger trends. Each quarter, we break down four key questions on fintech activity. Number one, which concepts are getting funded? Two, where are the exits, M&A and SPACs concentrated? Three, which firms are raising debt and venture funds for fintech? And number four, which products were launched over the last quarter? If you haven't already, subscribe to the future editions on our newsletter. For starters, fintech raised a total of $5.9 billion in quarter three, a nearly $13 billion decrease quarter over quarter. In line with the broader tech sector, a number of fintech companies revised down evaluations, called off acquisitions, postponed listings, or raised extensions of prior rounds, averting the prospect of a down run. Lower valuations aren't necessarily bad signal. On an aggregate level, it indicates that the market is getting more meticulous in evaluating companies. There's still a lot of greenfield for startups to tackle, and as we'll see, the investors are actively raising venture funds to back them. If you're looking to join such a venture, quick call out that the This Week in Fintech has a job board, and they're hiring in the This Week in Fintech Slack community. To dive into the rest of the fintech activity in quarter three, subscribe to the This Week in Fintech newsletter. (music) 
Okay, so what events are happening in the next two weeks? Well, Money 2020 is happening in Las Vegas on the 23rd of October to the 26th. Hong Kong Fintech Week is happening on October 31st to November the 4th. And of course, how could I not mention the best year-end event, which is back happening on the 11th of November in New York, the Fintech Formal, hosted by This Week in Fintech. 